Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm Dr. Catherine Pang, and it's so great to share this time together. Welcome to The Living Way, the podcast ministry of the Christian Life Institute and the Christian Life Institute's purpose to grow Christians forward, to live victoriously as overcomers in but not of the world through the hope and healing of Christ. If you miss any of our messages, you can find a link and more information on our website at christianlifeinstitute.com. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list on our website, christianlifeinstitute.com, to receive notifications about our podcasts, blogs, and other events at CLI. As we begin, you may want to grab a Bible and follow along as we share scripture throughout our time together. Our message today is titled, Alignment, Conforming to His Image. A simple definition of alignment is the arrangement in a straight line or in correct or appropriate relative position, a position of agreement or alliance. We speak of alignment frequently in the chiropractic community, physical therapy, Pilates, and yoga, among many more. The idea of alignment is essential in a conversation around core body strength and core stability. The core muscles have a huge role in providing proper alignment of our body structures. If you've ever experienced a dislocation or pain in a particular region, it may have been related to misalignment. Awareness is also a critical component of alignment. If we are not aware of what proper alignment feels like in our body, then it may be challenging for us to detect when we are out of alignment without more significant painful cues from our body. Proper body alignment allows us to safely perform different tasks throughout the day and to do so in a way that does not require the exertion of unnecessary energy. When our bodies are not in alignment, then our muscles and joints must compensate in ways that increase strain and fatigue. Posture is related to alignment. Proper posture provides a harmonious balance between the muscles and the spine that maintains proper alignment. It allows us to maintain balance and control, which in turn relieves strain on the neck, low back, knees and feet, In other words, we expend less energy and avoid unnecessary strain and fatigue. Sound good? The metaphor is important. Understanding our body mechanics and our physical posture emphasizes the importance of alignment of our core muscle groups, which include the abdominal, back, pelvic, and hip muscles. These work together to support, stabilize, and align our spine, ribs, and pelvis. In active movements, such as walking, bending, twisting, and rotating, as well as in stationary positions, such as sitting and standing, the core serves as a stabilizer so that we can safely move our bodies. Our core muscles also support our trunk to alleviate pressure and strain on joints, ligaments, tendons, and other muscles on the body. If we extract from this metaphor the need to develop core stability, we can apply it to our position in Christ. We speak of our position in Christ and to Christ frequently in the Christian community. The notion of position is connected to alignment. Are we, are you, aligned in Christ? What does it mean to be aligned with and in Christ? In our faith walk, our lifestyle who is Christ, we must choose our focus. We have shared in our blogs and podcasts the urgency of eyes up, eyes on Christ, alignment vertically connection to our vine as we are the branches. As a Christ follower, we choose to desire to be a surrendered vessel of the Lord. That doesn't mean that it's easy, nor that we always live in the moment as a surrendered vessel of the Lord, yet it is our desire 
and we choose our attitudes and actions to align with our choice. If we pray, Lord, your will, your way, we can anchor into alignment with the will of the Lord and confidence that what comes is his will. Alignment requires conformity. So we begin with Romans 8:29, and I quote, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. The idea communicated is that the work of Christ, while complete in our justification, results in an ongoing work in the life and ultimately a manifesting and outworking of Christ in the believer. 1 John 3, 2-3 reminds us that the future hope of conformity to Christ's character even now gives increasing moral purity to our lives. As we grow in holiness, we grow in conformity to the image of Christ, and more and more of the beauty of His character can be seen in our own lives. We've shared in many messages the importance of viewing the Christian life as a lifestyle. We've shared that we are faced with choices every day. Many of these choices are between the important things of the Lord and the distractions of the world. Distractions are often more tempting, and we're more susceptible when we are discontent, which provokes our flesh and causes us to find something to distract us, which draws us away from the Lord because we desire to fill a need, provide momentary relief, change the feelings, the environment, the externalities. The challenge with the need to seek a distraction is that, as Tozer writes, and I quote, we become so immersed in our difficulties that we see nothing else. We forget our direction and then become lost in the distraction. Distraction literally means to draw apart, to pull in different directions, separate and throw into confusion. In other words, distraction means we are out of alignment. We are reminded that God delights in our obedience and desires intimacy of relationship with us. In 1 Chronicles 29.17, we read, and I quote, Since I know, O my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy I have seen your people, who are present here, make their offerings willingly to you. He desires that we choose to step in and draw near, rather than to move away. It requires intentionality to draw near. The pull of our flesh, the power of distractions, produce a double-mindedness. They pull us away and provide a false sense of fulfillment a transient and temporary relief. Distractions can cause us to doubt our faith as they fulfill the desires of the flesh and not the spirit. We need to implement intentionality. It's imperative that when we are triggered by an externality, a person's unkind words, a defensive self-rationalization, a flaw or failure, an unfairness or injustice, that we pause and shift into intentionality in order to draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, as we read in Hebrews 10.22, we must make a choice to draw near. And that choice requires, as we refer to it at the Christian Life Institute and therapeutically, knowing what we're doing and why we're doing it. If we're not intentional, we will default to our conditioned ways of thinking and reacting, our conditioned rhythms, ways of doing, acting, thinking, becoming more entrenched every time we step into them, and this propels a craving and desire for our old habits, which then become more intensely instilled within us. It is ever so important in any season to be mindful, intentional, purposeful, deliberate of one's choices. 
to learn to identify one's triggers, susceptibilities, such as impatience, impulsivity, quick-temperedness, neediness, and to make different choices through and in the power of the Holy Spirit in the moment. We are from Proverbs 4.23, and I quote, to keep our heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. In Romans 12, 12, we read, and I quote, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Cultivating intentionality is a spiritual discipline. We must learn to pause, identify what we're about to say or do and why. We must choose to identify intent and motive and allow the Holy Spirit to constrain and restrain our choices so as to not fall into problematic statements as described by Paul in Romans when he says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. In every moment, you and I can choose to dive deep into the depths of Christ and not allow our limbic system, our emotions, feelings, to be our decision maker. In every moment, you and I can choose to stand fast in the way which the Lord has paved and not allow our limbic system to turn us into our own way. The life in Christ is an intentional life. Cultivating intentionality requires a commitment to Christ and a relinquishment to the power of the Holy Spirit within, as he is our helper, our guide, our truth, as we read in John 14. He will make your way and my way as we seek to follow him. We must first remember to align ourselves vertically in the truth and hope who is Christ. We then pause, breathe, and remind ourselves that our limbic system is not our master, but rather he who is in us has equipped us with the ability to turn into and rest in him who is exceedingly abundantly able to do more than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us from Ephesians 3.20. 2 Corinthians 3.18 reminds us, and I quote, We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Oswald Chambers, in my utmost for his highest, writes, and I quote, Sanctification, the impartation of the qualities of Christ, is a work in progress. I am through the Spirit led to a continuous perfection that will not be complete until the glorification. I pray that the Spirit will have more of me and that I will have less. I pray for the real desire to die to the flesh. Peter makes clear that believers are to pursue holiness, and his language leaves little room for doubt about the need for believers to be dead to who they were and live in their new righteousness. In 1 Peter 1, 14-16, we read, and I quote, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy, where Peter is citing from Leviticus, where the word holy is used by God 150 times to demand that very thing from his people, both personally and and in community with others. We clearly are called to be holy as the Lord is holy. We need to choose to make God-honoring choices. God's desire is that you and I become more like Christ. As we read previously in Romans 8:29, and I quote, For those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. 
God desires to conform and transform us into the image of his son. It is the sanctifying work in us through the afflictions in our life that grow us forward to be more like Christ. And God is fully invested in the completion of his perfect work in you and me. As Paul reminds us in Philippians 1, 6, and I quote, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Francis Fenelon, a French Roman Catholic archbishop, theologian, poet, and writer in his book, A Guide to True Peace, writes, and I quote, The Lord polishes the soul, which he draws to himself with the rough file of temptation. By means of temptation and tribulation, he humbles, subjects, and exercises it. He purifies and strips the heart in order that all its operations may be pure and of un- inestimable value. We are of inestimable value of the Lord, and his desire is our refinement, our purification for our God. John Piper shared in the message, and I quote, Paul called his lifelong beatings and shipwreck and sleepless nights and agony for the church, he called it momentary. He called it light, and he called it momentary. 20, 30 years of relentless imprisonments and persecution, and he calls it momentary, and he calls it light. The text says our light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. I will venture this. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man, every millisecond of your misery and the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of it. John Calvin wrote, Our flesh always shrinks back from its own destruction. Whatever reward may be presented to our view, and as we are influenced much more by present feeling than by the hope of heavenly blessings, Paul on that account admonishes us that the afflictions and vexations of the pious have little or nothing of bitterness if compared with the boundless blessings of everlasting glory. He had said that the decay of the outward man ought to occasion us no grief inasmuch as the renovation of the inward man springs out of it. So we ask, what are your goals in Christ? Are you desirous of appropriating the newness of life you have in Christ and living in the surpassing greatness of his power? Paul connects the resurrection of Christ with the spiritual power at work within us. When he tells the Ephesians in 1, 19 through 20 that he is praying that they would know, and I quote, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power in us who believe, according to the working of his great might, which he accomplished in Christ when he raised him from the dead and made him sit at his right hand in the heavenly places. Paul makes it clear that the power by which God raised Christ from the dead is the same power at work within us. Paul further sees us as raised in Christ when he says in Romans 6, 4 and 11, and I quote, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This new resurrection power in us includes power to gain more and more victory over sin in our lives. We must understand that while we are in a spiritual battle with our flesh, the world, others, principalities, and powers, we have the ultimate victory in Christ. We must believe that if we choose to walk in the Spirit, as Paul says in Galatians 5.16, and I quote, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
And in Romans 6, 14 and 1 Corinthians 15, 17, and I quote, Sin will have dominion, have no dominion over you, even though we will never be perfect in this life. This resurrection power also includes power for ministry and the work of the kingdom. It was after Jesus' resurrection that he promised his disciples in Acts 1, 8, and I quote, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This new intensified power for proclaiming the gospel and working miracles and triumphing over the opposition of the enemy is provided to Christ's disciples and is provided to you and I and was intended to dominate our Christ-centric lives. Paul writes in Galatians 2.20 and I quote, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. We have the power of the resurrection, the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ in us as we align with Christ. Spurgeon reminds us that we have become partakers of everything that is Christ. We are circumcised with him, dead with him, buried with him, risen with him, because we cannot be separated from him. We are members of his body and members of one another. All who put their faith in Christ, believe in Christ, are risen with Christ. As Paul reminds us, we are new creatures, as we read in 2 Corinthians 5.17, and I quote, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Christ becomes our life if we choose to allow him to be Lord and align with him and allow him to conform us to him. If we choose to be a surrendered vessel to his will and way. If we choose to seek Christ in the things above as we read in Colossians 3, 2, and I quote, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Since we are risen with Christ, we can walk in newness of life. We can experience true aligning, conforming, and transformative change. As Spurgeon says, and I quote, How great the change, for now the power of corruption within us is broken. The new life has overcome it, for it is a living and incorruptible seed which lives and abides forever. In 1 John 1, 3, we read, and I quote, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. With David in Psalm 8.4, we can say, and I quote, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? As Spurgeon writes, and I quote, What an amazing power is this. Now we taste of the powers of the world to come, and we are strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, and to all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Faith girds us with a divine power, for all things are possible for one who believes. And as we read in Mark 9:23, and each believer can exclaim without boasting, and I quote, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, as we read in Philippians 4:13. Is it not a glorious thing that God's strength should be perfect in our weakness, as Paul cried in 2 Corinthians 12:19, and I quote, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You and I have a changed life, a resurrected life, a power-filled life through the Spirit in us. 
We no longer have to be controlled by the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, which as we continue to read in 1 John 2.16 is not from the Father, but it's from the world. We must choose to digest, truly appropriate within the depths of ourselves that, quote, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come from 2 Corinthians 5.17. Paul in his letters, Peter in his letters, John in his letters, all exhort us to live this new Christ-centric, spirit-filled life victoriously to pursue Christ, to align with Christ and Him alone. We read in Colossians 3, 1, and I quote, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Let your words, thoughts, actions reveal your alignment in Christ and your conformity to His will and His way. Let us choose to let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven from Matthew 5.16. Let us choose to look up into the love-filled eyes of our Savior and align with Him. Let us choose to hear His grace-filled voice. Let us choose to see His merciful, refining acts in our lives. Let us choose to worship, service, glorify, be an imitator of Christ and reflect his love and hope to others for the edification of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us choose 1 Corinthians 14, 12, and I quote, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Let us choose his way, his will, his purpose. We can practically in the here and now seek the things above, the things not of this world and value them as Christ values you and me. He will align us with himself as we allow him to direct us, guide us, lead us in his ways. John reminds us in 1 John 2.20, and I quote, We have an anointing from the Holy One. And further in 2.27, and I quote, His anointing teaches you about all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just, as it has taught you, you abide in him. We know from John's gospel that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth, as we read in John sixteen thirteen. and I quote, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Let us choose to align with and walk with the one true living God and to know the fellowship of the Spirit. Paul reminds us as he closes his letter to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, and I quote, Let the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us seek heavenly graces. For every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change from James 1.17. Let us seek more faith, more love, more patience, more zeal. Let us choose to pursue greater charity, greater brotherly kindness, greater humbleness of spirit. Let us choose to pursue and follow after Christ in his command, and I quote, that if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let us pick up our cross follow after in his footprints, and sanctify everything by his love, loving our neighbor as ourselves, as we read in Mark 12, 31. 
So as we close, let us choose to focus not on the things of this world, but on Christ, our Lord and Savior. Choose to align with and dwell on Christ in his ways and will as a subject of our thoughts, our desires, our emotions, our love. Let us choose Psalm 37.4 to delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Let us choose to allow nothing to come between you and your heavenly Father. To choose Christ to be everything to you, your all in all. To long to know Christ more in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means he might attain unto the resurrection from the dead, as we read in Philippians 3.10. To choose to seek after holiness and long to become like the Lord Jesus. The purpose of the Christian Life Institute is palpable. We want all who profess Christ to taste and see that the Lord is good from Psalm 34, 8. To want Christ truly, deeply, intimately, and personally to be your all in all. We pray this is a time of refreshment and growth. We value your prayers. We value your support. Please send any emails to admin at christianlifeinstitute.com. Thank you for joining us for The Living Way, presented by the Christian Life Institute. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list on our website, christianlifeinstitute.com, to receive notifications about our podcasts, blogs, and other events at CLI. I'm Dr. Katherine Pang. Thank you so much for joining us.